8 o'clock, thanks for joining us. Jim of the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. And this is the Preston Lee Country Financial Hour. He believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. Jim Harbaugh, if you've not heard, out of the running to be the Broncos' next head coach. That uh, Michigan president, Santa Ono, in a statement through Twitter, said that he got off the phone with Harbaugh and that Harbaugh told him that he's going to stay as the head coach of Michigan. According to the Denver Post, that uh, Jim Harbaugh called Broncos CEO Greg Pinner and told him of the decision to stay at Ann Arbor. So take Jim Harbaugh off the list. So if you're the NFL... This is just more of a big-picture Jim Harbaugh question. Mm-hmm. Vikings turned him down last year. Harbaugh turns the Broncos down, essentially, this year. Does the NFL now view him, I guess not so much of last year because the Vikings didn't hire him, but he was the only team that he interviewed with, as this year the Broncos are the only team that he interviewed with. He spoke with David Tepper. Carolina Panthers owner, but he never officially interviewed with Carolina. Are NFL teams going to be less likely to be interested in Jim Harbaugh moving forward? Are they already cooled? Because the Vikings obviously hired Kevin O'Connell, a guy that had never been a head coach in the league, and chose him over Jim Harbaugh. That is, Harbaugh now has his stock diminished. I think so, and I think the fact that it didn't blow up in the Vikings' face and him leaving hasn't blown up in the Niners' face, the fact that he's not seen as irreplaceable is not helping his cause, one. And two, I think last year... You couldn't really maybe prove it. But this year, I think that now it's really the case that GMs and owners are not going to take kindly to being used as leverage to make your contract in college better. Because that seems to be what he does, right? That's that's the feeling I get. That's the MO that, well, I'm just going to go interview for a job. Oh, oh, you're going to offer me more money, Michigan. Your buyout's nothing for an NFL owner. $3 million this year, by the way. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what it's going to be next time. Because you know there was another contract negotiated in this time from interviewing with the Broncos to, yeah, I'm going to stay at Michigan. With the unspoken part being because they're paying me a lot more money. And so, yeah, he's he's now going to be perceived as a guy that just uses NFL interviews as leverage, as an opportunity to improve his situation at yeah. Michigan. He's using the NFL interviews to get back the money he lost taking that shave a few years ago. Right. And he's, which is, I'll give him credit, savvy on his part to do that. Right. Long as you're not, long as the thing is that you're not that concerned about being a head coach in the NFL anytime soon. But owners have very, very long memories for a guy that may not be the best choice. You know, I mean, Kevin O'Connell got the Vikings to the playoffs. 
and Kirk Cousins got him bounced. We'll talk about that later. You know what, though? I'm going to disagree with you on that momentarily, really? on, on, on the Cousins part of it. Okay. Their defense could not st- – I mean, not, not that Kirk Cousins was great. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins doesn't deserve some blame, mm-hmm. but their defense could not stop Daniel Jones to save their lives. Couldn't stop him running the football. And their offensive line was Broncos bad in that game, too. So sure. Cousins played a role in it. But to pin it all on Kirk Cousins probably isn't entirely fair. He had eight incompletions, three of them on the last drive, and five of them from the middle of the third quarter on. We've talked about Kirk Cousins, and his numbers look great, but it's when the incompletions happen. And and I agree. And 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 I'm not saying that he doesn't play a role in why they lost. A fourth down check down? Which, which, yeah, to Hawkinson, which you you can't do that. But also, they they got after him in that game. Giants got in his face, put a lot of pressure on him, and their defense was terrible against Daniel Jones. Those things played as certainly as an important mm-hmm. role as Kirk Cousins the way he played. I, I'm I'm not I'm not saying Cousins yeah. didn't play have responsibility for why they lost, but probably not fair to say it's all on him. He's the reason they lost. End of story. He did not help. I'll agree with all of that. But when it came time for Kirk Cousins to make a play, he didn't. He didn't. All game long. And that's what he's paid Mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. And and I agree with that. So O'Connell got him to the playoffs first year. And that makes the hire like, whew, they dodged a bullet with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. No matter if that's right or wrong, it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Like, we'll see. They got to the playoffs anyway, and they don't have to deal with Jim Harbaugh. Right, and when's he going back to college? And guess what? Kevin O'Connell's only going to get better as a head coach. Mm-hmm. He's only going to grow and develop. And that's why Brandon Staley's probably going to keep, is keeping his job at this point in time. Yeah. Because they feel like the Spanos family, he'll continue to grow into the job. And they know what they have with Brandon Staley. Because the, the reaction would be right after blowing... The lead that they were twenty three nothing twenty seven twenty seven sorry twenty seven nothing that that he'd be gone mm-hmm. that the Monday would have been you're out of here yeah and that is not the case I for sure thought he was going to get Lane Kiffin fired on the tarmac just because that is an epic collapse that's something that you need to win Super Bowl fifty eight or fifty nine for that to be washed for. Dan Quinn, that's still following him. Exactly. And and once again, and that wasn't all his fault. And that was only 25 points. <laughs> and they lost in overtime in the Super Bowl. Yeah. To the GOAT. Yeah. Both coach and quarterback. So, you know, that's why I thought that. Back to the Jim Harbaugh thing. I think the fact that he also, this is his longest job he's ever had. Yeah. As a coach, both in any level of football. But for the last two, three years, it's always been, when is he leaving? Not, oh, he might jump. It's, oh, is this the year he goes? Right. And I think that worries some NFL teams because he was head coach. He was quarterback's coach in Oakland for two years, left to be a head coach at USD. There for three years, left for Stanford. There for four years, left for San Francisco. There for four years, left for Michigan. Now he's been at Michigan eight years. When's he going? And then how long is he going to stick around at that job? It just feels like he's a bounce-around guy, and 
NFL owners may not want to invest on that, not knowing if he's going to be there the whole time. And so maybe the Broncos have dodged a bullet here. If if Harbaugh turned to be, or Peyton says, oh, thanks, but no thanks, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden Harbaugh becomes probably your, your number one candidate. Yeah. And then you're... And then, okay, how long can you plan? Like we talked about, we were making the, I you know, throughout the, the hypothetical about David Shaw's his OC. He's kind of coaching waiting because mm-hmm. just you can't trust Jim Harbaugh to stay there for more than four years. Well, now we're not going to, there's no chance of that happening now with, with Harbaugh staying with Michigan. But I, I you, there is a, there's going to be a feeling in the NFL now. If I'm an owner and Jim Harbaugh's interested in coaching my team, how how interested is he really, right? In coaching my team, even when he's there, exactly. Where the he may he may leave Michigan at some point. He probably will leave Michigan mm-hmm. at some point. But if you get him, how committed will he be to that organization? Whether it's another college football team, whether it's an NFL team, I think you have to wonder about that. So Denver has Sean Payton. They're going to fly out today. Broncos Brass, Greg Penner and George Payton and company, Condoleezza Rice to talk with with Sean Payton today. Uh, They've interviewed former Colts and Lions head coach Jim Caldwell, former Stanford head coach David Shaw, Ajiro Vero, Denver's current defensive coordinator, and they'll talk with Dan Quinn, Cowboys D.C., D'Amico Ryans, San Francisco 49ers D.C., and Raheem Moore, the L.A. Rams defensive coordinator, former head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks, likewise Quinn, former head coach of Atlanta Falcons. So Peyton and Morse today, because they'll be in LA, and then D'Amico Ryan's on Thursday, and then Dan Quinn on Friday, according to league sources. So that's how it's it's supposed to shake out with with the the interview schedule for this week. So we got some thoughts on on Jim Harbaugh out of the uh, the running now to be the Broncos head coach. Good thing, bad thing. I think it could be a good thing. I think it's a good thing. That Harbaugh's probably out of the mix. So if you got some thoughts on that today, text or call 970-242-1340. So if you got some thoughts on that today, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Kurt, Dan Quinn is my choice. Glad to have you guys back. Even at your worst, you're much better than the DA show. LOL. Thanks, Kurt. I think those are two different Kurt's, actually. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks, Kurt. Anybody named Kurt loving us. Alan, Saturday night was the definition of what it means to charger it. Yep. If anybody's like, what do you mean by that? 27 to nothing. Yeah. All right. So, 8-11. Mentioned that Sean Payton was on um, Colin Cowherd's show yesterday. Yeah. Talking about... Ah, they had to work. Where... The interviews that are going on and what it's what the process looks like in terms of compensation for the Saints. And and yesterday Peyton said that it would make sense for them to hand over their top twenty twenty three selection. Excuse me, Peyton didn't say that. Each team has different ammo and different pick selections, and it could be a future one maybe where you have to throw in something. And he talked about it has to be at least a first round pick. And for the Broncos, if it is Denver, 
probably give them the pick this year if, you're, if, they, if they're going to require that instead of 2024, where they're going to be higher up in the draft order in 2024 than this year, obviously. So with Sean Payton, you know, he didn't really, you know, I, I watched the whole interview. He didn't talk a lot about Denver. A lot of the conversation was about Houston, a little bit about Carolina, not not a ton about Denver. And he didn't go into real detail other than Cowherd really kind of pursued him back because he already interviewed with Houston. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did that yesterday. And was Houston, in his opinion, a, a viable spot for him considering what the quarterback situation is yeah. with Davis Mills? Because a lot of people kind of side-eye that. Like, he's not going What, a two-win team with a tie? Yeah. That that's, you know, that, you know, it's like, really, Sean Payton's really going to go to Houston? And it's a total rebuild, it's a total gut job? You got a dingus owner and a yes-man GM. Really, he's not taking that job. And I think they kind of wanted to see if that was really the case. Like, if he was really in on that job or if he just used it as the NFL for Jim Harbaugh, like used it as leverage. Exactly. Because right? that's like, been... uh, Houston's in on me and they have a much better draft situation. Well, that was the feeling about the Broncos, too, that, well, they, you know, it was going to be to create leverage with other teams. Hey, other teams want me here. But I think the official interview carries more weight than, hey, people are saying the Broncos love me. The fact that Houston interviewed him and the Broncos are going to, that now ramps it up a little bit. So now the the focus turns into trying to get Sean Payton, right? now Because Harbaugh was yeah. always going to be great plan B, right? That was going to be the, the big plan. Yeah. Hey, if it's not Sean Payton, we've got Jim Harbaugh. Well, that's not going to happen now. And so who becomes plan B if it's not Sean Payton? Is it now immediately Dan Quinn? Sure feels like it, right? Yeah. That it's probably a guy that was a finalist for this job the last time when they hired Nathaniel Hackett. That the Dan Quinn would probably be that guy again. I still tend to think Dan Quinn makes the most sense. I think he's the, the most likely guy to get this job. But I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I agree with uh, Cody York, who we have on from My Life Sports, who will be on with us tomorrow. It's hard to get a real read. Yes, Peyton seems to be a focus. You also have to give up things to get Sean Peyton. And are you willing? Is he going to be a good fit for this organization? The compensation, are you going to feel comfortable with that compensation? Whatever that compensation might ultimately be. Which we know it's going to be a first-round pick. Right. But there's, it's got to be more than just a first-round pick for Sean Payton. There's going to be there's more in that deal. There's going to have to be some money, I'm sure. And or players involved. Right. And I wouldn't... I have nothing to base this on, and this is just me, so maybe it's ridiculous. If I'm Dan Quinn, and we get to offer and pay portion of the interview with the Broncos... I'm taking whatever they're willing to pay last year and tacking on 15%. Because you chose somebody else over me last year. He didn't even make it a whole season, and now you're back. Now you now you interested me again. Yeah. Well, you could have had me last year. So if you want me, 
you're going to have to give me a little more than you were willing to last year. But there's been talk that Greg Penner and the Broncos, they're willing to pay Peyton or Harbaugh right. $20 million a year. Which I think may wash the issue of last year because that was Joe Ellis in the room, and Joe Ellis, you know, not exactly the master of the art of the deal, right? No. Whereas Greg Penner might and be a little bit better at like that. like to think that he's probably pretty good at that. Yeah, so, I mean, who knows if that's really good. Like I said, and that's just me, but if I'm Dan Quinn... If George Payton's in the room for both interviews, I'm like, yeah, here's my number now. Especially after what my defense just did to Tom Brady. Exactly. Who threw for a bajillion yards on 66 pass attempts, but still looked mortal. And that leads us to last night's We Stand Corrected, not first ever Monday night football playoff game. Second ever. (laughs) Rams and Cardinals had that last year. But once again, to defend us, we kept hearing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you and you forget that they did play right. that Monday night I mean, game last year. Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, or Tom Brady and the Cowboys. Yeah. First ever. Second ever. First <laughs> ever. Bigger stars. So it's... The actual star. We're, we're gonna first try, ever. We're going to try to sell it as the first ever. Well, last night, it was the second ever Monday night football playoff game. Still feel the because it wasn't just me that kept hearing that, right? No, I heard that all weekend. I actually I know, leading up that, for like the last three since I, Christmas. And I know, and I, I just kept having this nag, like you know, this nagging feeling. Well, it doesn't sound right, right? But it wasn't like I, I cared enough to go look it up. I'm yeah. like, well, they got to be right. It's, come on, it's, like the NFL is great at advertising the NFL and promoting the NFL. They whiffed on this one hard. So last night in the second ever Monday yeah. Night Football playoff game, Dak Prescott, three oh five, four touchdowns. He looked really good last night. He also had a rushing touchdown. He had five total touchdowns last night. Tony Pollard had seventy seven yards in the ground. Dalton Schultz, seven catches, ninety five yards, two touchdowns last night as the Cowboys. Get the win over Tampa Bay last night, 31-14. to 14. And look for Dallas. It's what, mid-90s? Last time they won a road playoff game, I believe? 92, I believe, yeah. is the number. 1992. You know where that road playoff game was? Where they're going this weekend. That'd be the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers. 49ers. And so last night, you had Dak Prescott, as we mentioned, with a big game to lead the Cowboys to the victory to take him into the divisional weekend. Here's Dak Prescott. After the first two possessions, I mean, without them going to do what they do, creating those three and outs and just giving us the ball right back, uh, could be a different story. So, I mean, as you said, complimentary football. Um, and that's the way it's been when this team is on fire. Um, and when this team is on, they make stops. We go and turn into the points and uh, just got to continue to build off of that. And uh, when we're able to do that, tough team to beat. Congratulations to Brett Maher? Question mark? Sets an NFL record by missing four PATs last night. He also might be the guy to kick in the wild card round and then not be on the team in the division round. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Mentioned Tom Brady. Buccaneers quarterback last night, 35 of 66. Yikes. When you're throwing it that many times, you're in they trouble. They only ran 80 plays. Yeah. They had a 45-year-old dude, 46-year-old dude throwing it 66 times. 351, two touchdowns and a pick last night. 
Rashid White, seven carries, 41 yards in the ground. That That's it. Leonard Fournette only had 11 yards last night on five carries. So much about uh, playoff Lenny, huh? Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Chris Godwin, 10 catches, 85 yards last night. Julio Jones had a touchdown catch, seven receptions, 74 yards. Could last night have been the last game ever for Tom Brady? Certainly looks like the last game for Brady in a Bucks uniform. Here's TB12 after the game. Uh, they played pretty good. You know, they played good defensively and put a lot of pressure on us, and we just couldn't make enough plays. So it was kind of typical the way we played all year, just inefficient in the passing game and not very good in the run game. So, you know, it's hard to be good teams like that. And so now Brady will evaluate where he is moving forward in terms of staying with the Buccaneers or perhaps being released and, and going to another team. Keep your eye on Las Vegas and Josh McDaniels, his former OC in New England, as a possible landing spot for him. Uh, a couple other things very quickly as we go around the NFL this morning. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy on the Team Sports Network. Your Browns have hired Jim Schwartz as your new defensive coordinator. Congratulations. Yep. Can't be any worse than Joe Wood. Probably not. Probably not. Joe hey. Flacco led two scoring drives inside the two-minute warning against this defense in the year 2022. So it can't be any worse. All right, 821, and it's time for Triple Play Records Stadium Cinema. New your sports TV shows and movies? Let's play Stadium Cinema on the team. Yes, first correct answer on the Chick-fil-A text line. That's 970-242-1340. Gets the downtown double play with Triple Play $20 gift certificate to our friends at Triple Play Records and a delicious antipasto salad courtesy of our friends at Junction Square. I want the athlete from this clip of ballers remember the hbo tv show yes i'm going to tell you that right off the front that it's ballers so that maybe helps a little bit i want this former denver professional athlete on ballers hey your boy's nuts Spencer. he's gonna come over here acting all crazy i'm in the middle of a conversation with bella there you go and then there's a lot of curse words so i had to cut it off a little short i'll play it for you again this former former Denver professional athlete. Hey, your boy's nuts, Spencer. He's going to come over here acting all crazy. I'm in the middle of a conversation with Bella. There you go. All right, so if you've won the last two weeks, please set it out. Text your answer in. Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line 970-242-1340. It is the downtown double play with triple play. That's right. And Junction Square Pizza. Get a small anapasto salad from Junction Square. So your schedule for the NFL this weekend, Saturday on the team. It's the divisional round. Jacksonville at Kansas City. That'll start at 2 o'clock, followed by the Giants at the Eagles. And then Sunday starts at 1 o'clock, actually pregame at 12.30, for the Bengals at the Bills, Cowboys at the 49ers. All right, coming up next, we'll talk with Colorado Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner. That's on the way on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Touchdown every morning. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on the team. Maverick basketball team coming off a split this last weekend, losing to Black Hills State in the win against South Dakota Mines with us right now. Colorado Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner. Good morning, Taylor. Good morning. How you doing? Doing fine. Uh, your three-game winning streak, unfortunately, came to an end on, on Friday with that loss to Black Hill State. 
a game where he just really struggled to to, to shoot the basketball. Just a, a rough day from the field for your team in that one. Yeah, you know, we just for whatever reason we came out flat that game, and it affected off our offense and didn't shoot the ball from the field very well. Um, shot it poorly from the free throw line, and I think it just kind of carried over. When, you know, when you don't have that energy at the beginning, then everything kind of snowballs from there, and, and we just struggled to put the ball in the hole that game. Hey, it fell behind by seven early in that game, and I mean, what was the message to your team when you fell behind at that point in time? Because they never were really able to, to recover from from that early deficit. Yeah, you know, I mean, we. I don't know. We called the timeout and said, hey, we got to change it. Um, I mean, we talked all week about, uh, you know, it's a big game for them and they play with a lot of energy. doesn't matter what you saw in film. It's going to be ten times better. And, and we just we didn't let that sink in at all. And, and uh, then when we got punched in the mouth early, we just didn't respond. And they fought back a little bit. I think where it got out of hand was in that third quarter. You know, they ended up stretching it to 21. And, uh, you know, we we just didn't want to play defense at all, uh, and uh, that was I thought I thought that was the big thing is our defense didn't show up. And that's been the thing that you've been, I think, the most pleased with is the way your defense has has really started to turn a corner. Unfortunately, uh, ran into a, a little bit of a, a another wall in that game against Black Hill State on the defensive end. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's different when you're at home and on the road. and You know, we're in different and new situations every weekend. You know, sometimes these kids haven't, um, you know, some of them didn't even know where Black Hills was. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where with that youth, they've got to learn. And we try and, t- try, and, try and tell them and prepare them all week. And it's just one of those things they've got to go through and experience and, and uh, so now they know the next time they got to go up there what it's like. So, uh, but you know, I thought they tried to compete and everything. It just it was too late. And uh, you know, we've we've got to be ready and more prepared. I mean, these games coming up. It's there's only a few weekends left, and every game's going to count. I mean, it's going to be a free for all from where teams end up. So you could be from anywhere from fifth to fourteenth place and in one game so it's getting really dicey and you know everybody's beating everybody so every game's going to start to count and be more magnified i guess they all count but it'll be more magnified every weekend with the wins and losses Colorado mesa women's basketball coach taylor wagner with us on the team uh your freshman olivia reed uh tied for a game high with 11 points four rebounds five of ten from the field and i, th- I think that kind of is a is an example of how your team struggled from the field when she's just five for ten. But uh, just Olivia, unfortunately, not not the the uh, not the force that she normally is on the glass with just the four rebounds, Taylor. Yeah, I mean they uh, they obviously had a game plan. They uh, every time she catched the ball, they were bringing two or three girls and contested every shot. Um, I thought they did a you know fairly good job on her and, and just kind of keeping her off the boards too. So. Uh, Kid's going to go through that. Um, I, I still thought she competed and was out there hustling, but uh, they they did a good job kind of containing her. Well, the next night they couldn't contain her because uh, South Dakota Mines Olivia Reed had a big game, twenty three points in that one. You get the sixty eight to sixty one victory. 
Kylie Kravig went with 13 points. Monica Brooks was in double figures with 12. Uh, you you know were able to, to go out and, and, and bounce back with a that come-from-behind win against the Hard Rockers on Saturday. Yeah, you know, going into that game, we, we kind of talked about our defense showing up, and, and uh, the first half we struggled, really. I mean, we gave up 38, 39 points in that first half, and they're on pace to get 80, and I'm like, this isn't going to happen, so... Um, I was glad to see they came out in the second half and really did a phenomenal job. And like you said, Olivia, I mean, she played all 40 minutes and just was phenomenal around the, around the rim with her scoring and her rebounding. She did a great job and, and really lit a fire under us. Colorado Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the Team Sports Network. And just, you know, looking at some of the other performances in that game that we talked about, uh, you know, Monica Brooks had a really good game with the 12 points, but uh, Laura Gutierrez uh, making some contributions, uh, hit a three. She had nine points coming off the bench for you. Yeah, you know, she's always kind of been consistent, and uh, I think she's getting more comfortable with her role as well on the floor. I feel like she's getting to become a better defender for us, so... You know, it always takes a year for these kids to figure out what we're trying to do. And, you know, she's getting there. And, and uh, I, I like what I see from her because, you know, she can come in and she can really get us going. And, you know, teams really got to respect her and her outside shooting. Cara Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the Team Sports Network. And now it's kind of that, that odd weekend where you, you play on a Friday and then you don't play again until Tuesday at Fort Lewis this Friday and then at Westminster on Tuesday, you get uh, the Skyhawks, uh, longtime rivals of the Mavericks, as you head down to Durango, and, and right now they're six and ten, three and six in RMAC play, and it's it's a program that, you know, once upon a time, they were always battling you for uh, you know the the top spot in the RMAC, but uh, they've taken some steps back the last few seasons. Yeah, you know, last year they had a, a rough start, but this year they're playing well. I, you know, I think they're kind of going through some struggles, as, like everybody. Um, with youth and new kids and everything. so But they're a dangerous team. They've got a great player uh, that can really score it with guard. So I know she had 20 against us the first time. and We've got to really do a good job containing her. And it's always a tough place to play. you got to throw records out when you play Fort Lewis and go down there because it, it is a big game. And, and uh, you know, we've gone down there and been really good years and struggled to, to eke out a win. So um, I, I think the girls are going to be prepared, ready for that, and know that it's going to be a tough challenge. Yeah, Lene Billy for them, averaging almost 18 points per game. What makes her such an effective scorer, Taylor? Well, she can do everything. I mean, she's a great three-point shooter. She's one of the best three-point shooters in in the RMAC. But then she can she can get all the way to the rim. She's got a nice pull-up jumper. She gets to the free-throw line a lot. So she really has everything that you want in an offensive player. And uh, we've just got to make sure we try and limit touches with her and make her take tough shots when she does have the ball. Yeah, when you beat them the last time at Brownson, she had 20 points. Uh, she did knock down a three in that game, three of four from the foul line. Had a, a pretty all, you know, pretty good all-around game. Uh, Avery uh, Evans had 12 points in that one for them. Kelsey Sorensen had 10 points, but did a pretty good job for the most part in that win previously of, of kind of limiting what they were able to do off the bench. Though, though Sadie Missner had nine points for the Skyhawks the last time you played them. Yeah, I, I mean, they, like I said, I, I 
don't overlook them. They're they can go off, and, and you know all the girls that you named go and have a big game. And so we really our defense has got to travel this weekend with us. We we've got to limit, um, you know, giving them high percentage shots. I think in the Black Hills game, you know, when they wanted to take us off the dribble, they did every single time, and they were getting in the paint, shooting high percentage shots. And I think that's going to be the same with this team too. We've got to limit them and keep them out of the paint. And uh, then on the perimeter, not giving many open looks. Taylor Wagner, coach of the CMU women's basketball team, Fort Lewis right now. Uh, as mentioned, three and seven in conference, six and ten. I mean, your team right now, eighth in the conference at five and six, six and eleven. You got Westminster, which you know coming up on Tuesday. They're currently fifth in the conference at seven and four. So Fort Lewis game, obviously very important. You cannot afford to have a misstep here the rest of the way. But that one Tuesday at Westminster looms really, really large for your basketball team since they're they're ahead of you right now in the standings. Yeah, and like I said, every game's going to get bigger, and you know, this game on Friday's big, and then Tuesday's going to even be bigger. And, and just as as we get closer to the end, we've really got to you know, we've got to be more disciplined. We've got to play better. Um, you know, the rebounding's got to be great, but we got to take care of the basketball. The shooting's got to pick up. You know, so. Everything's magnified, and, and like I said, one loss. I mean, really, you, we're in eighth, but we could drop to 14th in right. one game. It's that close in the standings, and uh, you know. So I think our girls understand that. We've just got to go out now, and we control our own destiny. You know, we're we're in a spot where we can make the tournament. Now we just got to go out there and uh, play well, and, and and have fun, and, and make the postseason. All right, Mavericks at Fort Lewis, both the men and women, this Friday right here on the Team CMU Sports Network, brought to you by Ken Richards, State Farm Insurance, women's pregame at 5.15. They'll tip it at 5.30, the men around 7.30. We'll talk with Mike DeGeorge coming up next hour after the Maverick men came up with the big upset win over number 3, Black Hill State, on Friday night. Taylor, appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. All right, Taylor Wagner, coach of the Colorado Mesa women's basketball team. He got off to that really, really rough start where uh, the Maverick women, uncharacteristically, they, they lost their, their first four games, actually first five games, excuse me, and have now uh, battled back to put themselves in RMAC tournament contention, five and six in conference, and six and 11 overall. All right, 837, Jim along with the Buckeye boy today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Jim Harbaugh is staying in Michigan. Your thoughts on that today? Text or call us, 970-242-1340. Let's see. Do we have a winner yet, by the way? We do. Okay, let's go ahead and get to that first. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Looking for a former Denver professional athlete to appear on Ballers? Evan correctly... Pointing the finger at the Birdman, Chris Anderson. Caw-caw. He was on Ballers in some sort of very profane nightclub scene, which surprises me not the least bit about uh, Chris Anderson that it was a profane scene. But Evan, the only correct answer, gets the downtown double play with triple play. Lots of guesses from Mark Schloreth. They were all wrong. But Evan got... Uh, Chris Birdman Anderson. 
see uh, on the text line today. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. Larry from Clifton. I hope Brady retires. It's time to leave the leave the game, I think. As for the Broncos, I honestly have nothing to say about it. Okay. Sounds good. RJ at Delta listening to 102.1 FM. Broncos dodged a bull with Harbaugh. I hope they don't hire Sean Payton either. I see the Broncos playing it safe and smart by considering Dan Quinn or Jim Caldwell. I think Dan Quinn's a real possibility. I, I do. I think so. All right, 839, and uh, we come back. We'll do pole dancing. Mm-hmm. We're also going to do uh, we're working four down territory, yeah. too. How about that? Let's do a little little twofer. Yes. Coming up here in just a moment. So 839, next hour, it's Mav Day. We have Taylor Wagner early because they're still out of school. Mm-hmm. And so they have practice coming up at 9 o'clock, which is our normal hour to, yep. to interview Taylor. So that's why we had him early. But we'll have um, Mercedes Boti, CMU softball coach, next hour. The skipper, Skip, Chris Hanks, and we'll have Mike DeGeorge coming up next hour uh, as part of Mav Day. All right, 840, we'll take a break, and we'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The Team. We got it together, didn't we? All right, coming to the stage, yeah. it's Amber. We've Remember, everybody, $14 Kamikaze. Let me ask you a question. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, isn't it really, really nice? Get those dollar bills out. It's time for pole dancing. All right, it's our top five NFL, top five college basketball, and this hour is the Preston Lee Country Financial Hour. He believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. All right, we'll start things out with the NFL as we head into the divisional weekend in the National Football League. So, start out, I've got an honorable mention. Honorable mention for me is Dallas. They looked great last night, but then Tampa Bay, well, some people thought they could be a contender this year. It never really felt that way, did it, for Todd Bowles and Tom Brady and no. Tampa Bay? The only thing that made them a contender was, well, they got Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady. And that's not a knock on people that were thinking that because I was thinking that. I took Tampa because I didn't want to bet against Tommy in January. Well, Dak Prescott had never beat Tom Brady. Right. Till last night. Till last night. But I have Dallas as my honorable mention. I have Cincinnati as my number five team. It wasn't always pretty in, in the game against the Baltimore Ravens. But, I mean, they got the job done. But they got the job done. It never really felt in doubt for me either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you on yeah. that. My honorable mention is the New York Giants. Really scrappy, a run game that travels, obviously, and a team with nothing to lose, really. Worst case scenario for them, they're already past it. They made it to the playoffs, so they won a road playoff game. All is golden. They're going to have to extend Daniel Jones now. Saquon Barkley's going to get a new contract. They're missing their, their highest paid offensive player had like seven catches this entire season. They're just kind of scraping it together, and they're a really scrappy squad. My number five team, Philadelphia. 
If Jalen Hurts isn't, huh, get it. If uh, he's healthy and on, they can run over anyone, right? And that defense, both lines will play. But if it's Gardner Minshew, if Jalen Hurts is, isn't 100%, I don't know how far they really go. So I have Philadelphia number five. All right. Cincinnati, by the way, Hubbard with the with NFL record fumble recovery yep. for a touchdown. Go Bucks! They they got away with a little bit of a potential block. Yeah, the, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, yeah. though. I have Philly as my number four team, and it does center around Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. and his and his health. Can he go out and be productive in the quarterback run game, which is a big part of what they do? Makes life easier for Miles Sanders. Opens yeah. up those receivers, Smith and company. Obviously, Brown. They will. I still feel like, though, if Hertz, if Hertz is even at seventy or eighty percent, they're going to be okay. So I have, I have Philadelphia as my number four team. I have Kansas City as my number three team. I have Dallas number four. Confidence is building at Jarrah World. After Seems they to be that way. Yeah. Finally, get that road monkey off their backs. I don't think Dak Prescott was even born the last time they won a road playoff game, and so there's that. Number three, I have Cincinnati, man. They're battle-tested, and they're overcoming adversity. They're going to have more going against them. But, eh, Joe Burrow can just flat-out get the job done. He can. You know what I mean? That's that's all there is to it. It's, he's not going to go out there and throw for 500 yards, but he can. You know, that's the thing. I don't think we've seen the top of Joe Burrow's game yet, and they're already... Defending AFC champions in the division around the next year. I just I just think Kansas City at home, that offense. Defense has been for Steve Spagnola very up and down, very inconsistent at mm-hmm. times. I just think they always have a chance as long as they got Mahomes and that yep. offense, like we've talked about before. I've got Buffalo number two, though I grudgingly give them number two. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen has been he leads the league in interceptions this year. Yeah. He's also tied with Mahomes for touchdowns, total touchdowns. But he, man, he's been turning over a lot. That ball is free a lot. And you have to be worried about that if you're a Bills fan. I still have them mm-hmm. number two. You know, give the Dolphins some credit in that game. Skylar Thompson, yeah. they they hung around in that they game. They battled. I still have Buffalo as my number two team. Though. I don't have Buffalo in my top five or honorable mention. I have Kansas City number two. Until someone in the AFC beats them, I'm all in. Now, this is the kind of a little bit of an asterisk. If it was Cincinnati playing Kansas City, I'd be all about the Chiefs would be lower, right? Right. Because Bengals have their number, but it's Jacksonville. That's a different yeah. type of mentality there. I have Kansas City number two until they get beaten, and usually it's only Cincinnati. I have them at the top of the pack. I've got San Francisco number one. Yeah. Just ridiculous, their second half. I just, yeah, at halftime, they're, they're what, down by a point? Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy, Zero panic. Brock Purdy didn't look great in the first half. They didn't look great. And then third quarter, an entirely different story yep. for Brock Purdy in that offense. I have the Niners as my number one team right now. They went down the field twice in the second half. Like it was nothing. Just right down. Yeah, talk about a team that just didn't didn't panic because yeah. because everything was was working in in, in the favor of the mm-hmm. scrappy Seattle Seahawks yeah. who had who had nothing to lose right because nobody thought they'd be a playoff team right 
And they had nothing in, to lose. In the second half, the Niners gave zero you-know-whats about any of that. They did not care less. And they beat up on their NFC yeah. West little brethren. I can't beat a team three times, huh? Watch this. Yeah, watch this. I mean, Brock Purdy, 332, first rookie in NFL history to score four total touchdowns in a playoff game, yeah. th- three passing, one rushing. Just a dominating performance after being down by a point at halftime. Yeah, and he's not game managing either. They asked no. him to make some plays. Exactly. But they're they're playing to his strengths though. Like like the Denver should have done mm-hmm. more. They finally started to yeah. with the boots and the waggles and some of those things. It helps when no one tackles Debo Samuels, no one covers Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. George Kittle can do whatever the hell he wants. Oh, and Christian McCaffrey's there too. That yeah. helps a lot. And oh yeah, their defense yeah. is pretty damn salty. That that Seattle defense in the second half felt very much like, yeah, we got this. Because they were just letting dudes run wherever. They hot knife through butter those two touchdown drives. I didn't have a better song for this, so... Oh, you're fine. <laughs> it's a little cheesy keyboard. This little muzak a little bit. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a little bit faster elevator than normal. So we're going to throw in our uh, top five college basketball. I've got yeah. Alabama number as my honorable mention. I've got Gonzaga number five, and I know Wyatt Thompson not real high on Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Still got Drew Timmy. Still got Mark Few. Yeah. That, to me, is still a team that's a top-five team right now. I was a little surprised to hear Wyatt say that, but I get it. They're my honorable mention. They have the best offense in the country in field goal percentage and points per game. They also allow the most field goals and points defensively. So, like I said, I can understand it. And then I have Xavier, fifth. Boom, Nunji, Fremantle, Jones. They really score. They're third in field goal percentage, first in assistances, 11th in scoring. Defensively, top five in field goal percentage and three-point percentage allowed. As far as mine, I have got to flip over to my other screen here. My number four team, right now in our pole dancing today, I've got UCLA. Ooh, interesting. Of course, UCLA with the the win over the Buffaloes on Saturday, mm-hmm. and when, when you look at, at at the Bruins again this season, you know that they're you know they they're I don't know they're just they got so much talent. On that roster right now, yeah, that you know it's been you know somewhat you know tournament tested the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and I, I just you know I really like the way that that they've been playing as of late. They're pretty good. I don't have them in my top five, but I do like UCLA's game. I have Purdue at number four. Zach Eady's a very good front court player, but this team has escaped wins at Nebraska, at Ohio State, at Michigan State. Michigan State's a tough place to play and win. Nebraska and Ohio State really isn't. Then they lost at home to Rutgers, who's better but not great. That's just, that's not a great resume. Resume? It's not a great resume for Purdue. (laughs) A resume for Purdue. I have them number four. See, as far as my number three team, I've got Houston. A lot of injuries we talked about last year, but Kelvin Sampson mm-hmm. is a team that's made deep tournament runs the last couple of years. Even with that, Houston is the number one team in the country right yeah. now. I just don't know if talent-wise they're as good as Purdue or Kansas, who I have. I won't tell you who's who or where, where they're at. They're ahead of them. They're ahead of Houston right now. Uh, I have Purdue and Kansas behind Houston. I have Kansas number three. They got two dudes that can fill it up, and Wilson and Dick, they haven't lost in this country 
They've won their last 10 by 11 points per game. Kansas playing really well right now. Right. Kind of quietly. They quietly have put together a, a, a great season to back mm-hmm. up, of course, the national championship last year for Bill Self. I have Purdue number two, Kansas number one. I have Alabama number two. They beat Houston when they were number one. They beat UNC when they were number one. They have four other ranked wins. Brandon Miller is a baller. And then I have Houston number one. Their only loss is to Alabama. All right, so let's uh, quickly dive into... We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, I don't know if you caught Coach Prime last night. He was on the Manning cast. Here's a little uh, Coach Prime from last night. Know, first of all, the Manning, both the Mannings have gotten the best of me, the best of my team that I played with. So I, I'm not, you know, it's not a football involved in this conversation, so I'm good. We can talk about it, but we're not, we don't have to play. And you know I love me some Eli. I love me some Eli. <laughs> Everybody knows that. I know that. I know that. I knew that when I was playing. You might have been the only one that loved me in the media, uh, Coach, and so I appreciate you. <laughs> All right, so a little Coach Prime last night. Did you catch any of it with Deion Sanders? Had no, I did gear on and everything. No, I was watching the game on ESPN Prime, pardon the pun, but yeah, I, I did not see that. Also, Sanders revealed how he had prepared for NFL games. He apparently just had 16 pictures the receiver's going to cover and nothing else in his playbook. He's kept looking at the pictures of that guy. Some dudes can do that. Some was, dudes have that pure athleticism. He was one of them. Like, All right. They're not going to call zones with Deion Sanders <laughs> over there, right? No. You got that dude. That's it. We'll figure He's, out the other 10 guys. Have, everything else, well, you've, you're locking down that side of the field. Yeah. All right. Troy Aikman last night. You know, as as an analyst, former you know quarterback, you get you share opinions on strategy, and things can sometimes backfire. Aikman and Joe Buck were on the call last night, and Dallas was up six nothing at a fourth and goal at the Tampa one with six minutes left in the second quarter. Aikman says, "Boy, I think I'd take the three here." After that, Dak Prescott fakes a handoff and bootlegs into the end zone for a perfect play call. That's gonna happen, right? Yeah, but. What was the situation again? Fourth and goal at the one. What time, What part of the game? They were up 6 nothing. It was second quarter. Six oh, okay. minutes so left. So he to... hadn't missed four extra points at that point. No. Yeah, he just, that's going to happen. He just missed one. Right. But it turns out the Dallas Cowboys made the good call because that kid can't hit ocean if he fell out of a boat, Grant Marr, or Grant Marr, or whatever his name is. Uh, third down. Kirk Cousins' stat line looked good last night. 31 of 39, 273, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Here's his second half incompletion. Second and seven, first and ten, third and 11, second and four, first and ten, third and eight. Those last three are all on the same drive. Then his last completion of the game, fourth and eight, and he checks down for four yards. We've talked about Kirk Cousins for years in this space to where you need – smart decisions. His stats can look great. It's where those incompletions come and where those interceptions come. Fourth down, more impactful anniversary. Nikki Six forms Motley Crue in 81 or Green Day releases Kerplunk in 92. Uh, Kerplunk. Kerplunk. Absolutely. And that's Fordan territory. Mav Day coming up next on the Team Sports Network. <laughs> 